Live with CDP Sports Talk, a weekly sports and entertainment podcast sponsored by Barry Cullen Chevrolet. Live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and LinkedIn. And on audio via Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, Anchor FM, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Radio Public, and TuneIn. Now, here's your host, Chris Palmey. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Season 7, Episode 33, Overall 363 of Live with CDP Sports Talk, sponsored by Barry Cullen Chevrolet Dealership at 905 Woodlawn Road West in Guelph, Audemars. Check out barrycullen.com for the newest selection of new and pre-owned GM vehicles, or give them a call at 519-824-0210, or you can email them at info at barrycolin.com. I hope everyone's doing well on this. I can't believe it's already Tuesday, January 30th, 2024. Man, this month just flew by. By the way, Live with CDP Sports Talk is on radio station at WQEE 99.1 FM in Noonan, Georgia, the home of Southern Talk and Sports, weeknights from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern. I'm uh, looking forward to my guest today. This is her first time on Live with CDP Sports Talk, and I met her on LinkedIn, and her name is Claire Alfrey. She is a morning news reporter on Good Morning Jacksonville on the First Coast News Network out in Jacksonville, and she's also a native of Pennsylvania. So I'm going to talk to uh, Claire about her career in media and broadcasting and now being down in Florida. Oh, hi, Chris. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I appreciate the introduction. Thank you. I try to do my best with all my guests. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a lot of fun. Um, So yeah, I'm really excited to get to talk to you kind of about my life. Uh, I guess my new life because I just moved to Florida a couple weeks ago. Oh, okay. And and I was going to ask you, uh, how's the weather down in Florida? And how much of an adjustment was it going from Pennsylvania? I think you were from Scranton, Pennsylvania. Yeah. And going down to Florida. Well, I will say the weather is beautiful. Um, I cannot believe that I went to the beach last weekend in January. Um, I actually left uh, Pennsylvania just in the nick of time of escaping a huge snowstorm. Um, Like literally I had to move my move uh, sooner just to avoid potentially uh, driving through 20 inches of snow. I think that's where the Poconos got. Uh, a lot of the viewers have sent a lot of pictures to me. I've seen it. I follow still people at my old station, but so far so good. Um, I really do um, enjoy living in Florida because I'm closer to my family. I've already seen them a lot, but most importantly, it's been a lot of fun understanding the Jacksonville market. It's very different than Pennsylvania. A lot more breaking news. Everything's faster pace. Um, and it's been a good challenge so far, but thank you for asking. And I have a niece that's in Florida right now in Clearwater, Florida. She's uh, learning to be an airline pilot. That's so cool. I love flying planes. I actually got to do, I I talked a little bit about it, like on a story I did um, about my grandfather teaching me how to fly at a really young age. Got to do some cool stories with uh, women in aviation. So it's really great to hear that you have someone in your family that's doing the same thing. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I'm, I, I've never been, I haven't been to Florida since I was a baby. So I need to get back to Florida to uh, 
to check out the beaches and also spring training is going to be starting up in a few uh few weeks in uh down in Dundee and Clearwater you're on the northern part of Florida right in Jacksonville right yeah, so this is the most northern part of Florida, um, I would say, for like TD markets, mainly because we blend in with Georgia a little bit as well, which I did not know until actually looking at the market. But it's been it's still even though it's northern Florida, like we're whenever they say cold weather, they're talking about 32 degrees. And where I'm from, that was like the norm. For Bobby, Bobby, year. yeah. So I I'm think not we're complaining. In- yeah, I think Pennsylvania weather is similar to us. We've had a few cold days and some snow here, but it's been a very mild winter here in southern Ontario so far. Wow. Well, I hope you enjoy the snowfall. It is really pretty. I do ski, so I miss that a little bit. I also kind of miss spontaneous snowball fights, but I do not miss cleaning off my car. Absolutely not. I don't miss that. I have a garage, so I keep my vehicle in the garage at night. Oh, that's smart. <laughs> It helped, but hey, I was born in Northern Ontario, so I like the four seasons and I like winter. And to me, Christmas this year did not feel like Christmas because we had like a green Christmas here. And and for me, I always like to have snow. Oh, well, I don't know. I've gotten used to the green palm tree Christmas. That's what I do. And I I enjoy it. It definitely doesn't feel very Christmassy because I grew up with like the Pennsylvania snowfall maybe christmas uh but so as long as you put lights on some kind of tree right palm tree christmas yeah. tree same, di- same difference <laughs> i love hey i love the state of pennsylvania i've been there many times pittsburgh philadelphia grove city uh erie and i like the fact they don't have sales tax on clothing in pennsylvania oh yes i as a shopping addict myself i also appreciate pennsylvania not having uh sales tax on clothing and i won't lie i do miss pa which I didn't know I was going to miss as much as I do, but I do. <laughs> and some what's capacities. The, what's the thing that you miss the most about Pennsylvania? Um, gosh, what do I miss the most? I mean, honestly, I really just uh, I miss like uh, <laughs> like the the little like things that like that happen in PA. Like for example, Sheets. It's a gas station that's like everywhere, and yes. uh, I mean we have Bucky's down here, which is very good. I do. I do miss that. The little comforts of home. Um, yeah, I miss the people. There's a lot of people that in my last market I grew really close to. And so there's a lot of people I miss there. Um, and my both of my siblings are going to school in Pennsylvania. Uh, but the pizza is definitely better <laughs> without a doubt than pizza in Florida because it's a little closer to New York. So, yeah, the pizza, that too. What's the best pizza in Pennsylvania? I mean, anything, anything that like resembles like New York pizza, I think is really good. Um, but yeah, like where I was from, that's like all, my friends and I, we would do this challenge where we would go to one restaurant one time just to like try so many different restaurants. So that was really good. But yeah, and also like where I was specifically, I was in the coal region. So there was a lot of things there that were like very niche to, we call it NEPA or NEPA, like Northeastern Pennsylvania. Um, so I do miss like pierogies, kibasi. Polka is really big. So I do miss playing the accordion as well. But yeah, but I'm so excited for this new chapter um, here in Florida. I think I'm fitting in really well, like not only with the station, but just like the culture in Florida. And it's really cool in Jacksonville, too. I feel like a lot of people move here um, and they're not from here. So I can relate to a lot of people in that regard. Were you a little bit nervous your first day at the job? I wasn't nervous. I was really excited. Um, I think the only thing that was kind of nerve wracking on my first day was not necessarily knowing 
uh, what the station was going to be like, the people I've only met virtually. Everything happened really, really fast, Chris. I mean, I left WNEP on the 3rd, moved to Florida like that next week and then started. Like I didn't have a lot of time in between. So to pick up your entire life and move across the country was a lot. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but I'm glad I did it so far. How was the moving aspect and how was the travel? How long did it take you to get down there? Oh boy, the moving aspect. Well, I have seen my family moved from Pennsylvania or Delaware down to Florida. I was like, oh, they can do it. I can do it. I don't have that much stuff. It's just me. Like I don't, I'm not even responsible enough to have a pet yet. Um, but uh, it was very, very overwhelming. Um, luckily, I was able to have some people help me move. Um, but trying to coordinate everything on a really fast timeline because that's how news works. Typically, you have a contract that you sign for two years and um, it's up to you at the very last minute to decide whether you're going to resign or if someone else is going to give you an offer. And it was a really overwhelming process even trying to decide whether to stay or to go. Um, and it was really, really hard, like on my last day as well. Like I cried a lot. I didn't anticipate on crying. I, I held it together on camera, but like afterwards I was a hot mess express. Um, but yeah, I basically just was like, you know what? We got to move. We have about a week and a half to get down to Florida. Uh, my family was a huge help. So that was, that took a lot of stress off, but I'm, I won't lie. I'm still unpacking. Like there's a reason why you're, you're on a corner in my room. Cause uh, my like office, she's still in, there's like two boxes left, but yeah, we're working on it. One thing I've noticed about the media industry too, is you work so many hours and different shifts and all that with these people, they become sort of like your family. Cause sometimes you're with them more than your own family and friends. Yeah. That's exactly what happened when I moved to Scranton. Um, I moved to Scranton knowing pretty much no one. I wanted to be on camera. And so I left my station in DC, um, working behind the scenes and I took a really big leap of faith. Um, and it was really, it was really hard. I, I, I didn't anticipate on like feeling that lonely and having to basically start from knowing no one, but at the end of two years, it was really hard to like, yeah, like you said, that my coworkers became my family, especially the people in the morning show. I mean, if you're waking up to go to work at 2 a.m., the people better make it worth it. So I definitely do miss um, uh, the people in the morning show and kind of the segments I had. Um, I had a really good lassoing bit uh, that <laughs> I still talk about to this day. It was called the Long Ranger, and I would wear a different kind of cowgirl getup and help do a long uh, range forecast with our meteorologist. Uh, so, yeah, I definitely do miss doing that on Thursday mornings. But like I said, um, I'm really excited just to be able to move forward in my career while being closer to my family and having that support system. Because, I mean, like my family, they would wake up every morning and they lived in Florida and they would go and watch Pennsylvania news. And then they'll be like, OK, we watched Claire. Now let's now watch our own news. So now it's really cool to be able to like do stuff that is a little bit local to them. And, and being a, a reporter and being a, in the news industry, too, it's important to have a strong support system because sometimes you do stories and cover stories that are uh, really devastating. And, and and you know, what I mean, it's emotional. I was what I was looking for. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I it's really, really hard sometimes for me not to get emotionally attached to the people that I am reporting to. I mean, 
it, it, it's it's you basically take as much knowledge as you can about a certain subject you research as fast as you can because you have to meet a deadline by the end of the day and you throw yourself into it. Um, for me, just because I care a lot about the stories I cover, even if I'm not familiar with the subject at all, I, I, I as like another Gen Z person would say, you just full send it. I put everything into it. Um, and so the people that I've met through the job have really like have a special place in my heart. But also sometimes it's really heartbreaking being there at their worst moments being there at a time of loss. And I have seen a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. So <laughs> I think that that's also something too, I wasn't ready uh, to experience until um, I started being a reporter or even a producer like I did in um, DC, but still no regrets. I've learned a lot and yeah, I've seen pretty much everything. So I'm an open book at this point. Do you find it hard when you're off duty to kind of leave work at work or is it still in, in your mind and head when you're even off work at the, at the time? Oh my gosh. That's the, that's the worst part. See, that's what I'm working on Chris right now. I'm really trying to work on having better work-life balance. And I know that it's because I care, you know, there are mm. some reporters that are better off at balancing life and reporter life. Um, but especially like where I was before, um, I was working at a station that everyone watched. It was WNEP TV. And it was a huge blessing being able to like see people in the community. They would have the courage to come up to me um, and tell me, oh my gosh, I watched you in the morning or you made me laugh today or can't believe you went to this. So because of that environment, I just was like, oh my God, it's, it's just nonstop. And it was great. It was really a blessing. Um, and also I have a lot of other like side freelance stuff and other side hustles that I got to meet and do just because of other people I worked in the story. Um, and I guess like that way was really great for me when I knew no one. And even here in Jacksonville now, where I'm still trying to find people, uh, sometimes these people that I'm working with during the day, they're like, Hey, like you said that you liked music. I know someone that is looking for a piano player or looking for someone who can teach piano lessons and it all blends in together. And that's kind of my goal is to be a part of the community. But at the same time, <laughs> There's so much work to do. News is 24-7. And sometimes I really have to remind myself that I'm not 24-7. Again, working on that. But yeah, no, there's always a story, always breaking news. Last night, I got called in at like 1 a.m. or two nights ago, Sunday night. But I was literally asleep. And they're like, Claire, like, we need you to come in. We have this insane fire. And there's no reporter. And I'm so sorry, you're not supposed to come in for a while. But hi. <laughs> and you just pick up and you drive and you go. You're on call basically and uh, as well. And, uh, but you know what? I've only talked to you on here for 15 minutes. I can tell how passionate you are. And, and, and this applies to any career. If you don't have that passion, then it, it might be time to move on to something else. Yeah. And that's really what kind of separates. I mean, one thing that I always get asked is, do you see a lot of people leave news? And the harsh answer is yes. The turnover rate, especially now, is not the best. And it's because it is a really cutthroat industry. I mean, you're talking about asking someone, even though they're only slotted, what, five days a week, maybe, you're constantly on call. You're constantly asked if you can do this and you can do that. And the way that you find satisfaction is not through a, no matter what the paycheck is or what your boss says. You have to find that validation of passion with journalism through the stories that you tell and the people that you meet. 
And otherwise, if you can't get fully satisfied off of that, it's going to be really hard to sustain the really harsh conditions that come with working in news. The word I wanted to use here is burnout. <laughs> oh, boy. You sure we only got 30 minutes? This could be a whole, this could be a whole dead dog. Absolutely. Yeah. Like you said, I was in another career and it wasn't the career I wanted, but you know what? I, in a way it prepared me for this because my other career I had to do with a lot of the public. I had to do with a lot of medicals dealing with all kinds of situations and dealing with uh, millionaires, billionaires, the people mm -hmm. that aren't very poor are very rich and are wealthy. And uh, I, I really think it prepared me for doing this because I love talking to people. People skills are huge and uh, storytelling. And also in this industry, not just radio or TV, connections are huge. Oh, yeah. And the thing is, too, that I think really helps you as a journalist is that if you take the time to be a decent human being and see the person you're interviewing, not as a source, as for a soundbite, not as a person who's going to help you meet deadline, but you see them as a person, that to me like is so fulfilling to get to know these people and truly inspiring. Um, really, some of the most incredible people I've met are people that don't even think that their story is anything special. But the fact that you take for you 30 minutes for me, it's probably like 15, 20 uh, minutes and just talking to them and seeing what they're passionate about. That's really what helps me combat burnout for sure. And uh, we all have different stories. My past is different than yours. But you know what? That's what I love about this show. Just sharing my experiences with my guests and doing them doing the same with me as well. And hey, right. when I started this four years ago, uh, I wasn't very good. I couldn't get guests on. But you know what? I never quit. I, I blocked out the naysayers. And then four years later, I've done 364 shows and had guests on from six different countries in the world. And, and I've had people on, I, I, I reach out. And most of the time, I've been very lucky. Sometimes you get rejected. But that's another thing I wanted to ask you about, too, is you're going to have your successes in the media industry, no matter if it's TV, radio, uh, digital, print, or whatever. But you're also going to have your setbacks. I don't call them failures. And that I call them setbacks. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. It, when if you, you sign up to be a TV reporter, you're basically saying okay with being rejected every day. I mean, rejected in terms of like, let's say you're trying to do a story and you need people on the street to talk. You're going to get 30 no's before you say yes. Or you're trying to find a medical specialist or anyone to interview. It, it's really you're you're trying everyone and you have to mentally prepare of like you cannot give up like you said earlier Chris um yeah like that that just comes with it I face it even if I've been in the news business for now five years and I, I still get rejected people you know sometimes people just don't trust the media they don't want anything to be involved with it and also as a journalist you got to ask really tough questions and hold people accountable and some people don't like that at all so yeah I, I feel you on the rejection part and the biggest thing is your mindset too Mm -hmm. You just have to have the mindset that you're going to do it. And, and and like you said, anytime you start a new career, whether you're just coming out of college or someone like me who waited until I was 47 to figure out, hey, this is what I want to do. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? That your mindset is so huge. And, uh, and one thing with this industry, too, is it's the people skills. You have to be able to reach out to people and have to communicate with them. And with my show, um, 
Claire, I, I try to make my guests feel as comfortable as possible. I want them to be able to, to come on here, feel comfortable, and trust trust what I'm doing and uh, build a rapport with them. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah, that's literally what I do every day. Um, I always make the joke uh, that, like, I'm like, my mom told me not to talk to strangers, but now that's what I do for a living. But I really, really hope that by the end of my interactions with some of these people, we're, like, no longer strangers anymore. Absolutely. Are you okay for some questions now? Oh, yeah, sure. Hit me with it. Okay. The first one I'm going to ask you is um, just tell us a little bit about yourself again. And where did you attend school? And did you have a mentor or mentors when you were in school or, or out of school? Well, uh, I went to Juniata College, which is in uh, Huntington, Pennsylvania, right next to Penn State, Maine. I actually found the school because I was recruited for golf and it was the best bang for my buck. But I will tell you, at the time, I did not think that I wanted to be a TV reporter or a reporter at all. I thought that I was going to go into theater, like musical theater, like music and dance and theater is my biggest passion. Um, and I thought I was going to be able to pursue that dream um, while, you know, finding something stable, right? And doing social media management and freelancing. That was kind of my game plan. Um, but because of ha having a social media gig and working with the media constantly while I worked for the Department of Transportation in Delaware, and I got to see these reporters about what they were doing and kind of the mission and understanding that, I was just like, you know what? Let's be a reporter. So I quickly changed uh, my, my major. But I would say... Um, I had so many mentors that actually got me to this point. I mean, in fact, they're my mentors to this day. Like my, I watch them on TV in the morning. I text them. I ask them for advice. I, and I stay in touch with all of them there. And there's so many, whether it was people that were actually news reporters and they still are news reporters, um, reaching out to them and being like, Hey, I really respect you. Um, I really want to be like you when I grow up, how, what is your best piece of advice? and creating that and establishing common ground. Those relationships have taken me really far. But also too, I think it's important for people that are in news to kind of understand, I guess, like communications as a whole, or maybe like politics as a whole. If it wasn't for me working for the government as my first job I, and having a mentor there, um, she was actually the secretary of transportation for Delaware at the time. I would have no passion for political journalism, which led me to a whole career in DC alone. Um, which was really cool where I got to do radio and print and TV. So yeah, I would say that in news specifically, it's all about who you know, not only to get a story, but also to help you get to the job that you want. And that's why I don't always worry about my numbers on my radio station and doing this is because what I'm doing with a show is I'm building uh, a body of work and eventually Hopefully somebody will uh, notice this and give me an opportunity as well. Yeah. And this technology, this social media, I wanted to ask you this, Claire, how much has social media impacted the traditional media going forward? So social media is really, really tricky right now, specifically in TV news, because to be quite honest, it is the main distributor of how people get their news that is in that main 25 to 40 demographic. However, TV stations like mine can't monetize off of it. Um, and so right now we're trying to figure out, OK, we're working into this new digital age of social media journalism where can also be tricky too because anyone technically can have the same you know ability to post and to share as I do and they may not have the training or the ethics or just even the understanding of like what is journalism what is not 
So I think right now it's in terms of, for me personally, I'm trying to use social media as a tool, um, a tool to connect with my community, a tool to share the behind the scenes, to make fun of myself when I mess up. Um, that's really what I try to use. And also I really want to use social media um, in my regard to hear what people want, they what stories they want. I mean, first of all, I'm going to be honest, a lot of my Facebook, like a lot of my stories that I do for the news, I find on Facebook. And I find on Facebook by people posting what is upsetting them, what they're passionate about, what they want people to go to. Um, and also one thing that's really, really cool, too, is that um, the people who engage with me on social media, they can kind of give me a better grasp of where I am. Like, for example, a lot of my viewers um, on my social media are born and raised in Scranton or Pottsville, Pennsylvania, places where I worked constantly. They know it way better than me. So if anything, they are a huge help to me to understand that market. So that's kind of how I use it. Um, but in terms of moving towards the future, let's just hope, let's just hope we figure out a way uh, to, you know, be able to create um, very stable careers and being able to hold the ethics of journalism to a T um, on social media. And we get closer to figuring out that step. I don't think we're going to figure it out completely, Chris, but it is a work in progress that I am currently working on. So that was a good question. One thing too, I, uh, I use social media sometimes for my news information, but I also want to double check and triple check the sources too, to make well, sure I'm it's accurate. You time to do that because people my age, they're just like, ah, oh, we saw it. It's good enough. We're just going to read the headline and now we know everything. So. And uh, I'm still a work in progress. And what I love about this industry, I, I try to, I do camera work. I do digital writing. I do my radio show as well. I, I'm trying to learn as much as I can of the media industry on both sides. Doesn't mean I'm going to be the best at everything, but I just think it's important when you go into a media career to try to learn as much as you can about that industry. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm going to be honest. My actual job title, I always say morning reporter just so like people know when to watch me. Um, but my actual job title that's like given to me by the, my corporate who owns me is multi-skilled journalist. And it's for that same reason, you know, I'm able to film everything. Everything I put on TV is just are filmed by me. Um, it's written by me. It's edited by me. Um, the web story that whenever you Google the story, that's also me doing that. The social media is also me doing that. Um, it's turning into an industry where it always used to be a team of at least two, three or four. You got to be able to do it on your own. Um, and that ultimately is what, you know, earlier we talked about burnout. Yeah, that's where it's getting to. Um, but it, so that's why in college, I changed the name of my major to multimedia journalism, because I understand that news comes in every form and you got to be able to be good at all of it. Since I have uh, have you on here for about a year and a half now, I've learned how to do digital writing. Do you have any advice, not just for myself, but for people who are watching or listening that might want to get into uh, the digital writing of the media industry? Oh, for sure. Number one, I think that it's really, really important that you take the time to think of a really good headline. Um, you know how they always say that, like, they look at your resume for 20 seconds or like a good elevator speech should be 30 seconds about yourself. You should be able to pitch. That's what your headline is, right? You have to engage the people into clicking just to read your article. Um, and, and two, I think also incorporating different ways of telling the story, like all my web articles, I always have the video up on top so you can, 
you know, see like the video of it. If you would rather watch that, you want to skim through, then, you know, you can go through it. Um, the script itself or um, the article itself, the links and everything, um, helping people educate themselves along with it is also really important. Um, and two, just like, I, I think that the timeliness of when you post it is also really, really influential. I mean, there's so many studies done about when is the best time to post on social media. Of course, a lot of the data and findings is very, very fluent. And it's also very much influenced on, let's say, if it's a holiday or if, if the different things that are going on, like in the country that you live. But just being really mindful of when you post and also making it really digestible, too. I mean, of course, whenever you go into digital writing, I think for me as a TV journalist, I have a minute 25 or up to a minute and a half to do my entire story. If I want to expand on it, I always put it um, in my like web article for it. But I always put the the stuff that's really, really engaging on top. So we continue to entice them to keep on reading. Well, thank you so much for doing that. And and I just feel that it's another uh, skill for me to have as well. When I cover pro sports teams, I do game night stories for them as well. And one thing I've been learning how to do is much as I love doing this virtual radio and podcast show, I love doing live in-person interviews with people because you have to really connect with them and you also have to think on your feet more than you do when you do a virtual show where you have time to prepare for it. Yeah. And that's something that has changed news a lot too. The idea of these zoom interviews. And I know during the pandemic, we had to do zoom interviews. There was no choice. All of my stories from 2020 were pretty much all over zoom or, you know, me having to do with someone's mask on, which, may not seem like a lot, but people's faces tell a story along with what they're saying out loud. The one thing that's really interesting that has, I thought has stayed, and it's different per station, of course, it depends on the station style, but the fact that it's so normalized now to just jump on a Zoom call and interview. I use it as a positive. I mean, if it wasn't for technology, like you and I wouldn't be able to do the show. I wouldn't be able to live stream it on my, for like my friends and family who are watching me right now. Um, I've been able to do interviews with people that I probably would never have met because of the geographical location I am, but there's still a screen in between of you, like still at the end of the day, even though this is on the radio right now, like I'm in my bedroom and this is literally how I did radio in DC too, because of the pandemic. So yeah, it's, it's removed and you try to get to know them. That's why I prefer doing things in person. <laughs> Same here. And, uh, I got through the pandemic doing this. I started March of 2020. And it, it really got me through those two years of the pandemic and that as well. So that's good. Absolutely. Are you okay for a little more time? Yeah, sure. Okay. By the way, the original name of my show was 30 minutes live with CDP, but I got rid of the 30 minutes because I've been lucky. A lot of my guests uh, have been able to give me 45 minutes to an hour. I even did one show two hours. Two but, hours. Uh, nice. Two hours. Yeah. Two yes. hours now is my bedtime, Chris. So <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, I won't keep you two hours. No, I was with uh, one of my friends out in San Diego, and uh, we just had such a great conversation. And uh, I always make sure with my guests, whatever time they can give me, I try to accommodate them because when you accommodate your guests, they remember that. And then in the future, if I want a guest to come back on, I, I've been very lucky about that as well. So I'm always very flexible. And you know this as well, doing your podcast and radio show too, is you booking guests 
to me is the hardest aspect of a radio podcast show because you got to ma- match your schedule with your guests. And sometimes guests, uh, for whatever reason, have a cancel or back out at the last minute. And you just have to have a plan B and plan C. Yeah. Imagine that, but doing it and convincing people to wake up at four o'clock in the morning, Chris. That's my life. Absolutely. By the way, I, I used to work the overnight shifts, and I know how hard it is to try to, to stay up at 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning, and, and uh, survive the shift. The thing is, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. You have to wake up early, wake up, whatever. And, and, you know, I get it. Like, that can be difficult. You know, some days are harder than most. But I'm going to tell you, the real issue that I have with being on the morning shift is falling asleep, especially during the summer when it's just pure daylight. Ah, good night. So I take it you drink a lot of coffee? Well, I'm trying to cut back because I do. I do have a really bad caffeine addiction. I'm really trying to work on that. It's like one of my goals. Guilty, guilty, guilty. Um, Guilty. But honestly, I have definitely decreased my caffeine and I kind of swap it out with body armor, which is like some coconut water and some flavoring. And it's beautiful. It does the job. Um. But yeah, no, I definitely, whenever I first started doing the morning shift full-time-ish, oh gosh, that that was that was a hard adjustment. And I really hope the viewers at home could not tell. Uh, I put a lot of makeup on to kind of hide the dark circles uh, for sure. But yeah, no, it was a, it's a hard adjustment, but I'm really fortunate that I do look forward to what I do. So it makes waking up a little easier. Yeah. Wanted to ask you this as well, Claire. You were in the the print industry for the media side. Uh, how sad is it seeing the newspaper industry uh, be reduced in size? Because now hardly anyone buys paper copies of newspapers here in Ontario anymore. I think it's really sad to see the print industry kind of die off. To be quite honest, um, I've met a lot of talented print and newspaper journalists, and they're there with me at these fires. And we're doing the same story. We're doing the same interviews. And the reach that they have is significantly less than I am. And they're putting just as much work, maybe even more, because their articles can be a longer read. Um, I'm really glad that I I went and kind of took a a leap of faith into print. You know, um, I really didn't have much of a print background. And so I got like a freelance opportunity um, in DC. And I was just like, you know what? I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to reach out to my mentors and we're going to figure this out because I think it's really important. And thank the Lord I did, Chris, because now I do web articles all the time. So learning how to do that really has set me up for success now. Um, but at the same time, like I'm, I'm not surprised, you know, everything is digital and these newspapers are moving digital. However, the subscribing and content stuff to, for them to monetize off of articles and papers, it's not much of an appeal anymore. Um, and it is really, really, really sad because I know so many talented journalists. However, I do feel the solution is um, with, you know, collaborating with uh, TV stations or radio stations and taking those really talented print reporters and still letting them have an outlet, but using a different platform in a way. And you can expand on it too. Like, I think that all um, different kinds of media kind of go hand in hand. And that's kind of the beauty of it. Um, if you're really open to being a multimedia journalist like I am, you know, you get to dip into everything. You can see how everything uh, connects and stuff. So that's really cool, too. The biggest word I wanted to use for digital writing or any kind of writing is consistency as well. Yeah. Consistency. Talk about it. Talk about constant posting and keeping up with it. <sighs> keeping up with all of that, especially like with social media. Like I 
I, I'll tell you a little secret. I don't know if like my followers can tell, but um, I have to, in order to stay on top of my social media, I have to like schedule posts like out in advance just to keep up with the algorithm and to stay consistent. Cause if I don't schedule them out, uh, you're not going to see me for like five days. Cause I get so caught up in all the breaking news and all the other, just like how fast paced the industry is. Absolutely. And I have to admit there's some nights I don't get to bed to two, three in the morning because I'm always consistently uh, creating content. I'm on TikTok as well. I never thought the old guy would be on TikTok a few years ago, but I've learned how to cut promos for my yeah. radio show, my guests, my media work. And I put all my player and coaches interviews and live interviews I do with people from other professions as well. So TikTok, everybody hears about the negative stuff of it, but it's been really a great tool for my media work. Mm -hmm. But I think too, it's really important for just like the common person who is scrolling through TikTok or Facebook and stuff. Sometimes the, the timing of everything, they're really confused about it. And I think that's what you just touched on, Chris, is like you're constantly creating content to try to keep up, but it's really hard to keep up. And the thing is too, is that everything you create right now has an expiration date. I mean, like whenever I'm like trying to take a picture and stuff, or uh, let's say like yesterday, I'm covering this huge fire. The soonest I could get to it, was last night at like 7 p.m., which is my bedtime. And I'm over here trying to like cultivate these social media posts while the fire is still burning, you know? It, it wouldn't have the same effect if I was going to post about it a week from now. And so just trying to keep on top of that, I give you a lot of credit for doing too. It's a lot of work. And sometimes, you know what? You can even get burned out on social media. Uh, have What's the word I'm looking? Overload. Sometimes too much of it can be an overload as well. Yeah, I, so. I've definitely experienced that because I used, I used to think being a social media manager was such a cool job. I was like, oh, I use I use Snapchat all the time. I use Instagram all the time. Like when I was in high school, I'm like, I could do this for a living. It's really hard now for me to actually personally enjoy social media after working on it in a marketing sense, just because I see so much of it. And I'm like, oh, my God, I wish I was naive. I wish I could enjoy it more. I really don't have personal accounts anymore just because I'm just constantly doing it for TV. Okay. Are you okay for a couple more quick questions? A few more yeah, minutes? Yeah, sure. Sure. Okay. I wanted to ask you this question as well. I didn't say that I changed the question, but what has been some of your most memorable uh, stories and interviews in your career so far? Oh, memorable. <laughs> oh, boy. So, you know, Chris, I'm a morning show reporter, okay? I like to get people excited when they wake up. I think by far... The most impressive story I've done, um, memory-wise, mem memory I was doing a fundraiser in uh, Car in Carbondale, Pennsylvania, which is near Scranton, and the you know, the fundraiser was a little unique because it was around Thanksgiving and it was at a bowling alley, and they were encouraging uh, the idea of a turkey toss. And it was a competition. It was a food drive to collect and help people who are dealing with food insecurities. And you donate X amount of cans or you go and um, you donate money and you go and chuck a turkey down the bowling lane like a bowling ball and you see how many pins you can get. So I am a terrible bowler, Chris. I am I am really, really? Good. Yeah, really? really bad. Really good at golf. Like, that's my thing. Like, played competitively for 10 years. But bowling... No, no hand-eye coordination there. So all morning long, and we go live like five different times throughout the morning trying to get a strike. I'm just embarrassing myself on television. And I'm going up against these pro bowlers who have had perfect games. And so it comes down to the last live shot. Everyone's watching. 
I'm like, okay, guys, I'm going to go and try to check this turkey down the bowling lane after I've striked out so many times. And on live television, I was the first person ever to get a strike with that frozen turkey. Um, that was that was an incredible feeling. Um, that video, it's I, I edited it and it's like me jumping in slow motion and freaking out. And I, I'm trying to like toss back to the anchors, but I'm so in shock because I'm so bad. Um, so that was really cool. And I think also, too, I ended up covering a Christmas polka where I played the accordion. I learned how to play the accordion during that morning. And whenever I'm on a story in the mornings, I'm typically at the scene for about two hours because we go live every 30 minutes. So in that two hours, I learned how to play the accordion. I learned a brand new polka song. Every live hit, I did a different kind of polka. And I also learned how to properly polka dance. And I danced with uh, a very big WNEP loyal viewer, made his made his day according to uh, his dance partner. And so that was pretty iconic. And uh, it became a really good inside joke as well with me trying to attempt to play the accordion. And I, I think I faked it okay. So those are my top two. What's your favorite polka song? Oh, the hot dog polka. Let me tell you what. This is this is for my people who are watching from Northeastern Pennsylvania. I and in Canada. In Canada, too. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Canada. Well, I don't know. Are you guys a big polka scene? Mm, I, think parts, I think parts of Canada. Yeah, it just depends on parts of Canada. Well, nothing gets me more excited than the hot dog polka because hot dogs are my guilty pleasure. It is a beautiful song. And I played, a, I performed a lot um, whenever, and I performed all over the East Coast, but especially whenever I was working in um, Northeastern Pennsylvania, I performed on the weekends with a band. And the hot dog polka was my favorite polka to play and request because it's such a good polka. Makes me want to get up and dance, but I'm playing piano and singing, so I really can't do that. But I love the hot dog polka the best. I love hot dogs. What's the best hot dog you ever had? Oh, gosh, man. I really wish now that you had a Sheets gas station hot dog. That at 2 o'clock in the morning for only $2 is really great. But also I enjoy a Sam's Club hot dog. And it's a magical experience. You go and get all of your shopping done in bulk on Sam's Club. And then you get to celebrate spending all that money for going grocery shopping once that month with a good $1.38 hot dog and a, and a drink and it's a magical experience the hot dogs are really big so like i'm full after just one hot dog but yeah i love sam's club hot dog i actually that's what i did on saturday night i went up to the to the club sam's club got a hot dog my favorite hot dog is the comiskey hot dog in chicago it's a foot long hot peppers pickles onions Ooh everything on it and everyone's like are you crazy paying 12 bucks but when they saw it it's like oh my god this was worth it and oh uh, my god. i'm yeah. hungry now i just ate oh that Definitely. sounds so good oh Definitely. i want that yeah now I, it was 12 bucks it was expensive but it was fully loaded and it yeah. was the best hot dog i ever had chicago to me is the best city in the states for food for beer for deep dish pizza and, and for, for their hot, hot dogs, dogs. i hot like dogs. it I like it. Okay, so I'm going to be booking a plane ticket to do a hot dog tour. Stay tuned for the vlog. I will go there and test and rate all the different hot dogs. Because I am a hot dog special. I've I've paid a lot of money on, and spent a lot of money on hot dogs. I, I would not – I would say yes to paying $12 for a hot dog right now. Like that's. Have you ever been to Canada yet? Yes. I've been to Canada several times. And one fun okay. fact, 
where I lived, it was like only like four hours away from Niagara Falls. So I would go to Canada um, growing up. I actually have an aunt. She owns a yoga studio in Toronto. So that was really cool. Um, But yeah, I I think Canada's great. Um, I think it's great food, great people, um, great wine scene as well. And Niagara Falls. And yeah, I probably will go back at some point. Yeah, I'm only about an hour and a half from Niagara Falls, so I'm yeah, not you're like basically there in New York, like it's the same thing. Yeah, the yeah, where I am is the location's great. So yeah, as for bowling, have you ever done five pin bowling? We have five pin bowling here in Canada as no. well as ten. You should oh, try five pin. Should try five pin bowling. bowling with a little baby ball. I want to try that too. So maybe I've I'll find it here in, in Jacksonville, and then I'll do a story about it on the morning show. I'm like, oh look, look at the little baby bowling ball or the five pin bowling. Sounds great. Maybe I'll be better at that. Definitely. And uh, also, I wanted to ask you. Uh, you're you're a golfer. I haven't golfed since 1994, and my golf game was worse than Adam Sandler's character on uh, Happy Gilmore. By the way, that's my yeah. favorite, one of my favorite movies as uh, Happy Gilmore. That swing is hard to do. The Happy Gilmore swing, like, oh my gosh, I like crack my back while trying to do it as a joke. Oh boy. Yeah, no, I actually, I didn't know that I was going to be a collegiate golfer, especially when I played competitively in high school. I wasn't looking at that. Um, I'm so glad I did. It is such a special game, a game that I have fallen in love with. And I wasn't good at it at first. That was definitely the first thing I ever had to really, 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 really work hard for. Um, But I'm so glad I did. And I love playing golf. I mean, that's what I'm really excited here in Florida to do is to golf all the time because you can unless there's a hurricane. Um, So that's really exciting. But yeah, no, I've been able to travel so much just for golf and to meet incredible people just because of me um, being a golfer. So I love it. You should get back into it. Play a little scramble a little bit. It's you been know? 30 years. It's been 30 years since I've yeah. golfed. 1994. Oh, we go to the driving mean. range first, Chris. Go yes. to the driving range first. <laughs> do, you have a, do you have a favorite female golfer and male golfer? Ooh. Michelle Wee is my favorite woman golfer. Because she is the most fashionable. I try to inspire my outfits by Michelle Wee. Um, a favorite guy golfer. Oh, see, I like the women so much. I don't really. Hmm, that's a good one. Probably Mickelson because like uh, the, all the, the memes and stuff. <laughs> yeah, oh, I he's a to play. I thought you were going to say Tiger, Tiger Woods. No, 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 no. I, Tiger Woods, that's what someone says that they don't actually play golf. Come on now. but it's one it's one sport it's a really skilled sport and you can't just walk up and do it you gotta practice and practice yeah Mm -hmm. it's very skilled so Mm -hmm. hey are you a sports fan too coming from pennsylvania is it the eagles or steelers if you are if you like the nfl oh boy you know this is really funny that you mentioned this i covered you know the eagles attempting the super bowl and I had to keep keep this on the down low that I come from a cowboy loving family. You know how many times cowboys. Said, you know how many times I said that out loud, and I got so many dirty looks in northeastern Pennsylvania. Man, I thought I was getting shunned or something. So <laughs> I had to be really careful with that. I think with when it comes to watching sports, I love watching them in person, or I love watching them with my family. So whatever team they want, I also want. So, uh, but personally me, I mean, you won't catch me on a Sunday night watching football, but I'll be able to know enough about the game on Monday to make small talk, uh, with my coworkers. That's kind of how I view sports. 
and I have another podcast, ironically called the Small Talk Podcast as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how you got to so. do it. So you can just catch up. No, but yeah. So maybe yeah, I think with golf, I definitely watch the most. The story that I'm most excited to cover uh, right now is the Players Tournament. I get to be the reporter for that because it's here in our viewing area, and I get to be like on the course and maybe fangirl a little bit over some of the cool golfers that I've always watched on TV. So it's really great to see that kind of go for full circle um, with me reporting about golf, the sport that I love the most. So we'll see how that goes. And um, as for music, what other favorite music do you like? And uh, you're into dancing too. Yeah. So I've been a musician since probably since I could talk. <laughs> um, I studied uh, jazz uh, in college, I mean, I was a ballerina for 20 years, danced in college as well, uh, full on musical theater nerd. But I think that like when it comes to music, I mean, I really like old people music, like Broadway, jazz, classical. Um, but I also write a lot of my own music, too. So that's really, really cool. I did not know. Yeah. that. I'm also that's a singer songwriter. So, yeah, you can check me out on Spotify or Apple Music. And uh, a lot of my own music is really inspired by like R&B. And uh, I would say there's a lot of like Broadway influences as well. But yeah, that's kind of my release. My stress release is writing music. Um, and I've been really fortunate enough to be able to record and to release my music online. And it was a big step. So yeah, that was kind of my birthday present to myself uh, was being able to be like, yeah, we're going to put this in Spotify and I'm working on releasing the whole album this year. So I'm releasing okay. a song at a time. That's awesome. Hey, and if you ever need somebody to empty out a, a bar or a restaurant by singing, uh, have them invite me because I did that in New York City. I did karaoke <laughs> there a couple years ago and I emptied out the bar. I had a few drinks in me, but I have no musical talent whatsoever. Hey, as long as you appreciate music and you listen, that's all that matters. Just don't talk over it. <laughs> I did three songs. I did three songs. Oh my god! And they didn't kick you out after after they kicked you out after three or after <laughs> three. Know. It was like time for you to leave. Like okay, good good try. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun doing karaoke. Yeah, no, it was like I love karaoke. I grew up. I mean, like I'm also Filipino, so like everyone in the Philippines can sing. But we also every Filipino Ooh. tends to have a karaoke machine. So yeah, I love karaoke. I've already been doing karaoke uh since i moved down here that's how i've been make, making some new friends so that's also great so keep on singing even if it's in the shower in the car just keep on singing i rather do talking i've got more of a talent for talking than than singing it as well you got the you gift yeah my favorite song is in the air tonight by phil collins in 1981 mm -hmm. absolutely mm -hmm. i'm a i'm a 60s 70s and 80s music guy mm -hmm. that's good I'm glad. all right but thank you so much for having me on the show, Chris. I really appreciate it. We're going to wrap this up, but can you just uh, congratulations on now becoming the new uh, morning anchor on Good Morning Jacksonville on First Coast News and working for Tegna. Uh, Tegna. What's that experience been like so far? Yeah, so I'm I'm a reporter, not an anchor. That's a big oh, difference. Oh, sorry. Sorry, okay. I, I, I meant to change that. Sorry. Oh, reporter. my gosh, don't worry about it. The people who are anchoring or get to be on the desk and they stay warm or dry from the hurricane or the rain. The reporter is the one who goes in there. Um, but yeah, right. But I would love to be an anchor one day if I grow up. But yeah, how did I get working for Tegna? So um, essentially what happened was after I graduated college and I wanted to be on air full time at the time I was working for Hearst Television um, behind the scenes. I was kind of shopping around and I really felt like if I was going to take this giant leap of moving somewhere I've never left, 
I've never like been to before. I was like, might as well do it in Pennsylvania where I have some common ground. Um, I got recruited by WNEP TV, which is owned by Tegna. And um, I had a great two years there. And then, you know, I worked really hard. I was a part of different trainings through Tegna um, to really enhance my TV journalism skills. And because of that, I got noticed by some recruiters and they opened up the idea, hey, why don't you keep on doing what you're doing, but not be 16 hours away from your family? Um, and really my family, it was a really hard decision to make to leave uh, Scranton, but it was, I did it for my family. Um, and I'm so far really happy with it. I'm able to still, you know, be a morning show reporter um, and really to keep on telling stories and to do exciting things on camera uh, and to maybe go bowling at this point. Who knows? I'll do that again. But yeah, that's kind of how I ended up here. Um, and so far it's so good. So I'm really excited to kind of see what happens next. Hey, Claire, I'm not sure about your time-wise, but is it okay? Do I have your permission to play uh, your uh, reel that I found on YouTube and on your LinkedIn page for my audience? Yeah, sure. You can you can play it. I mean, it's long, though. Like, I, I wouldn't – like, let me be honest. The recruiter, like, probably doesn't watch past the first minute, so you're probably better off just playing the first minute. First, yeah, um, and I wanted to ask you. I wanted to ask you about that. Generally, when you create a reel, because I'm I'm learning how to do that. Generally, what about a minute, minute and a half at the most? The whole reel. Yeah, or just generally, when you have a reel for a TV station or a radio st station, what is your advice on a time limit on that, approximately? Yeah, so I mean, it really just depends on what you want to show, right? So for me, the first minute of my reel is just me going live at different places and just so they can see that I can report about anything. And then at the end, I try to include stuff that I'm really, really proud of on my first, like a, a hard news story or, you know, you being like, you know, doing something really creative and, and um, you know, featurey. And my reel is a little different because I'm going for the morning show. Right. So I'm like, I want to show them that I can be live on television unscripted for a full two minutes and tell a story that way. So in my reel, I included um uh, like a live segment. Um, so yeah, so my reel is like probably eight minutes. So I wouldn't advise playing the whole eight minutes because that's a long time. Um, it's really just meant for people to watch that first minute, seeing you report and seeing if they like your style and how you talk on television. And then if they really like you, then they can click through the other your best pieces. But then they're going to Google you anyway. So they're going to see everything and really anything that catches their eye. It's going to depend whether or not you move on in the audition process or recruiting process i think it's more of an audition though i've just learned how to do video editing into reels and shorts and i guess i self-taught myself that during christmas so tell you what i'll play the one minute of your reel and then we'll wrap it up and uh again i want to say thank you so much claire for coming on live with cd yeah thank you so much for having me chris it's been fun yes. I, I feel like you know me a little bit better now you're like oh wow like yes just the yeah. same camera, hopefully, as she's a person. I'm just as crazy. And and the thing is, with this media industry, everyone talks about connections, but I've also made a lot of new uh, friendships and a wonderful people doing this uh, radio show and my media work as well. Oh, that's so good. Well, I'm happy here. But thank you so much, Chris. I appreciate you so much. This was so much fun. So thank you. You're welcome. And by the way, I did subscribe to your YouTube, your YouTube channel. And oh boy. Uh, <laughs> I subscribe. That's a lot of work, by the way, YouTube and building up your subscribers. It's a lot yeah. of work. Yeah, Absolutely. I didn't have the time for that. I kind of just put it out there what, um, to make it easier for people to find some longer videos. But yeah, we can show them the first minute. Let's do it. Okay, deal. Just let me know if you can hear the audio okay. 
Okay. Show you guys something. Do you see that flag behind me, how it's wailing in the wind? Yeah, it's been doing that all day. What if I told you that this brick and this building actually dates back to World War II? Drivers throughout Lackawanna County are encouraged to find alternative routes. How he spent six hours on Market Street investigating what they are are now declaring as a homicide investigation. Shannon Rakowski has worked behind this counter through four different owners, but she says the one thing that doesn't change are the recipes. The manhunt in Maine is over. Robert Card has been found dead. Officers are working together to understand how this fire in Lake Winona started and what caused the death of two victims who were in the home at the time. Election day is closing in and thousands of voters in Lackawanna County will cast their ballots in new places. They're cleaning up the mess of a tractor trailer and train collision that happened around 10 o'clock this morning. The people here at Chippy White Table are calling me the WNEP Barbie. Do you see it? Because I do. And I kept yeah. it to a minute, like I said. Yeah, we tried. <laughs> it was hard. That that was like take number twelve, I think. Trying to try to edit that thing. Oh gosh, that was. It takes a long time. It's also really hard when you keep on watching the videos over and over again. And you're like, uh, do I like this? Do I hate all of it? Do I want to start over again? But it was worth it because because of that, I'm here in Jacksonville. And that's awesome. And uh, I'm still learning video editing. I think it's a great tool to have, but it can be tedious as well at sometimes. Mm -hmm. But it is one of my favorite parts of my job. I think editing is so satisfying. Yes. Just like I don't mind editing all the time, but if someone else wants to help me out, you know, that's also great too. Definitely. Hey, and I'm, I'm, and one thing about the media industry too, right now, I have the flexibility where if I need to move or go into a, a radio station studio, I'm able to do that. And that's the one thing about media. You have to be willing to be able to move to where you can get opportunities. Never say no to opportunities. Mm -mm, I clearly did not. <laughs> and finally, what advice would you give to those people that are watching this live stream or listening to on audio or my radio station about getting in the media industry? And where can my audience follow you on social media? And uh, good morning, Jacksonville. Okay, so my biggest piece of advice is for anyone who wants to go into media, I would say you have to figure out why you love telling stories. The job itself is not going to be easy. There are going to be a lot of roadblocks. And even whenever you have a great story idea, there are going to be so many difficulties that come with trying to tell that story or finding people to help you tell it. But if you embrace that creative side of your brain and you get excited by taking on that challenge every day, and also you mentally prepare yourself every day being like, you know what? I don't know how today's going to go. I know it's definitely not going to go according to plan, but it's going to eventually come together at the end. And it may be really stressful because you have like what, like an, less than an hour to put together something that is TV ready. You know, you just have to embrace the stress, embrace the moment, and just remember to take it back to your roots. Why should people care about this person's story? And how can you accurately tell it? And how can you let that person that you're interviewing, let them tell the story? Because my job right now, I'm just the narrator. I'm really the one who's taking the viewer by the hand and walking them through, helping them understand what's going on. Um, and if you just focus on that, your characters and you really fall in love with it and you let yourself fall in love with it, it's one of the most fulfilling things I've ever done. 
Um, and if you want to check out my stories, because I love every single story so much. Um, and I try, I mean, I love some more than others because some of them involve polka and accordions and <laughs> cowboy hats and uh, turkey bowling. Um, you can do so by Facebook. I mean, just search Claire Alfrey. All of my usernames are Claire Alfrey, C-L-A-I-R-E-A-L-F-R-E-E. Um, and you can find me and I would love to engage with everyone and show you kind of my very unpredictable life through my lens. So thank you so much for having me on, Chris. It was seriously so much fun. No problem. And uh, website for your station is uh, firstcoastnews.com, if yes. I'm correct. Okay, yes. so, yeah, definitely. It's an app because then you can wake up with me every morning. And if you're like, oh, my gosh, Claire, like something before 7 a.m. is so early, guess what? You can still watch it. You can still watch the highlights online. Just follow me or go on First Coast News and you'll be able to find it. Absolutely. Hey, Claire, I want to say thank you so much for giving me yeah, an hour you, of your time Chris. today. I really enjoyed talking to you. And uh, you have an open invite in the future to come back on live with CDP. They call it Sports Talk, but eventually I'm going to change the name to Talk Show because, like I said, I, I love talking to people from different professions and the storytelling aspect. And uh, I just really enjoyed speaking with you today. And if you give me a little bit of time, I will have a video, audio copy sent to you. And tonight I will make a one meal a one minute reel as well if you'd like to post on your social media pages as yeah, well sure. yeah no thank you for having me next episode if you keep it sports talk we'll talk more about golf okay you just gotta I, yeah i'm more of a hockey baseball basketball football Different kind of swing, okay 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 i see but, but, I, no, but, thank I, you so much, but hey i always need a golf expert if if you love to talk golf you're welcome to come on Okay, let's do it. Thank you, Chris. Thank you so much, Claire. Have a great afternoon. Get some sleep tonight, and we'll talk to you soon on social media. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, Claire. All right, guys, that was Claire Alfrey. She is a morning reporter, morning reporter with Good Morning Jacksonville on the First uh, Coast Network or a news network. And I want to say thank you so much to Claire for coming on live with CDP Sports Talk today, season seven, episode 32. I have another live with CDP Sports Talk coming up this after or this evening, pardon me, and that will be at 6:30. And my guest's name is Nicole. Vereen. She is an academics mentor with the athletic department at the University of Tampa Bay. So my second guest of the day is going to be from Florida as well. This one from Tampa Bay. So I hope you guys can tune in to Live with CDP tonight at 6.30 with Nicole Vereen. And she's going to talk about her role as the academic mentor for the athletes at the University of Tampa Bay. And Nicole is a huge Pittsburgh Steelers fan. So we're going to talk to her about the Steelers and uh, Mike Tomlin and the Steelers going forward into next season as well. And speaking of Super Bowl, guys, right now the it's the most expensive Super Bowl on record. According to SeatGeek and TickPick, the average ticket prices are ranging from $9,815 to $12,082 on the secondary markets. For references, it's the 70th. It's 70% more expensive than Super Bowl 57's average ticket price last year of $5,795. So if you're going to Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas on Sunday, February 11th at 6.30 between Kansas City and San Francisco, you better take out a bank loan or you better have a lot of money. So I'll be watching that game on TV with Jim Nance, uh, Tony Romo, and Tracy Wolfson, Wolfson, the sideline reporter, at 6.30. 
30. Again, Live with CDP Sports Talk is sponsored by Barry Cohen Chevrolet here in Guelph. Check out barrycohen.com for the newest selection of new and pre-owned vehicles. And Live with CDP Sports Talk is on weeknights from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern on radio station WQEE 99.1 FM. I want to say thank you to everyone watching this live stream today on Facebook, LinkedIn, my YouTube channel. Please subscribe. Twitch, Twitter, or actually call it at Christy Pame, and also on Instagram. Please follow me on Instagram at Chris Pame as well. And live with CDP Sports Talk is a live, live, I'll go again. I talk too fast. Live with CDP Sports Talk is powered by StreamYard.com. If you're into webinars or podcasting, such as yours truly, check out StreamYard.com. They have basic plans. They have uh, professional plans, and they also have business plans. So if you've got a business that does a lot of webinars or you're into business live streaming, uh, contact the sales department at StreamYard.com as well. And Live with CDP Sports Talk, again, is on Apple Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music as well. So again, I want to say thank you to my guest this afternoon, Claire Alfrey, uh, morning reporter. Again, was good morning, Jacksonville, for coming on here today. And I hope you guys can tune in to Live with CDP Sports Talk tonight, part two at 6.30 p.m. Eastern with my guest, Nicole Vareem. She's an academics uh, mentor at the University of Tampa Bay for their athletics department. So that's about it. I want to say thank you again to Claire for coming on and everyone watching this live streamed and on audio. And again, thank you to Barry Collins Chevrolet here in Guelph for sponsoring my show. And uh, you can also tune into WQEE FM. 99.1 FM in Noonan, Georgia tonight for another edition of Live with CDP Sports Talk. And I'm going to put that website on here right now. That's wqeefm.radio12345.com. And Claire's website, or you can follow Claire Alfrey on Twitter at Claire Alfrey. And she's on all other social media platforms as well. And you can also check out her uh, TV station's website at firstcoastnews.com. And that's about it, guys. Again, thank you to Claire Alfrey for coming on. And for everybody for watching and listening to Live with CDP Sports Talk, we'll see you guys in a couple hours with my guest, Nicole Vareem from the University of Tampa Bay. Have a great afternoon, everybody. And thanks again for tuning in to Live with CDP Sports Talk.